It's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. Bernie Moreno, Ohio State Chair for U.S. Term Limits, joins me. Bernie, good morning. Welcome back. Let's dive in. Sounds good. Thank you for having me. All right. Who's going to do it? <laughs> That's the question everybody wants to know when it comes to term limits. And we know some of the answers we've discussed this with you and other members of your organization and others around the country. The path to getting this done. I'm cynical today. Today is Monday cynicism for me. Congress isn't going to vote themselves out of a job. They were willing to do it to the presidency because, hey, you know, they can do it to somebody else. The Convention of States is going to take some time to get to that recommendation, and then it would require uh, the states to make that decision again because, circle back to my prior statement, Congress is not going to vote themselves out of a job. Am I wrong? No, no, you're not wrong. The path is not easy, uh, but we do have a situation in America right now where you have policymakers who are completely out of touch that don't have to live by the very policies that they pass, putting it on top of other people, uh, which is the vast majority of Americans, that have to live under those ridiculous policies. So we, we have to get the states together to do an Article 5 convention around just term limits, get that done, and send the message that we the people are in charge, not the people that, are, that think they are in D.C. So... Let's go down this uh, path together, shall we? And by the way, I am a proponent of the idea and, you know, of that nothing should be that easy to do, whether for good or for bad. Right. The founders, I think, were brilliant. They gave us a process to say amend the Constitution, but it required a high bar that needs to remain. And when done, we did it correctly. And, for you know, we overturned bad decisions. We we protected people's rights more. So the polling that your organization has referenced, over 80 percent of Americans, regardless of political affiliation, approve of congressional term limits. And states have done, to some degree, uh, put in place term limits for their members. But the Supreme Court ruled in 95 that states could not enact term limits for members of Congress. I actually get that ruling because this needs to be a uniform application with a national body. That said, what's the path that gets us there uh, between now and a convention of states? Well, I think the, the path is we have to do uh, get the state legislatures in at least 34 states to pass a resolution to have an Article 5 convention around the topic of term limits, have the convention meet, come up with common sense term limits for D.C. politicians, and then have 38 states ratify uh, that, that uh, convention. I think we can get there. I really do. I think if we keep it narrowly focused just around this topic of term limits, not to, not to try to eat the entire elephant at once, but rather take one bite at a time. I think people can rally around this idea. We don't want people going to D.C. to build wealth, Nancy Pelosi, or to make it a career, Sherrod Brown. We want people to be, be public servants, people who are real people who've had real life experiences, to go there and serve their country and then come home and live under the very policies that they passed. Everybody can wrap their head around that. I think the number is actually higher than 80%, but that's what the polling says. 
And I think we can do it. I think we just have to be patient. And I think, David, you're right. It, it shouldn't be easy to modify our Constitution, right? Uh, it, it should be hard, and this is hard, but we can get it done. All right. So we've kind of identified that. Um, I'm a fan of the butterfly effect, the principles there. And I, I believe that term limits could be one of those things. When you limit the power path, for these elected officials, you don't solve all the other problems, but at least it allows you to address or weaken their hold on power, which also includes hold on bureaucracies, right? The the things that outlast elected officials are, well, okay, elected officials in the House and Senate outlast presidents, bureaucracies outlast both. And we have got to have some kind of break in this power chain. Now, you bring up 80 percent, or I brought up, but your organization has pointed this out. 80 percent of Americans, regardless of political affiliation, approve of congressional term limits. But yet, when they do other polling time after time, over time and decades, over 70 percent of Americans approve of their congressman or woman or a senator. Uh, but, But especially with the House of Representatives, I mean... How do we break that? Well, it's worse. Ninety-eight percent of them get reelected, so it's almost impossible to defeat an incumbent because lobbyists, special interest groups, the big dark money—they they buy these DC politicians, and the longer they're there, the better return on their investment they can get. So, if you have somebody like Sherrod Brown that's been there twenty, thirty years, that's a great return on investment because they're constantly getting reelected. Marcy Captor, forty years, right? Nancy Pelosi, I think, one hundred fifty years. Who knows how long she's been there. But we have to break that chain. And the way you do that is you put these term limits in place so that you have basically you want a revolving door in D.C., which, again, is what our founders had in mind. If you if you study U.S. history back then, the idea that you'd go to D.C. was almost a, sh- a shameful thing to do, right, because you want to serve your local community. And if anything comes of this, it's about reinstating this federalist principle that you have a small but limited federal government. And the power and the money really resides closer to the voters, to your local elected officials, to your states. So if California wants to do 77 genders, Ohio can do Ohio, as long as you're not trying to put California values on top of Ohio. And that's, what, that's the problem we have right now is that everybody wants to run this country remote control out of D.C., and it just won't work. What can states do between now and, you know, I'll say whenever and if ever that convention of states moment happens. And, and I, I actually like the uh, principle of eating the elephant one bite at a time. And it's say in this case, we need to eat the elephant and the donkey. But uh, for the political reference there, but what can states do now? As I mentioned earlier, uh, what is it? 23 states, right, uh, did enact at one point term limits for their members of House and Senate. Supreme Court in 1995 says, no, uh, you can't do that. But is there anything they can do now? Uh, the 17th Amendment took away the power to appoint the senators. So is there anything at the state level right now besides yeah. Convention of States that needs to be done? Well, I think we have to. Ha- I think they have to pass a resolution to go to co- create a convention, Article Five convention around just term limits. That's easy. There shouldn't be a heavy lift for state legislators. I think in Ohio we'll get it done. To just say, hey, let's have a convention under uh, Article Five of the Constitution, 
to talk about just term limits. And mark my words, David, once you get to 25, 30 states that have done this, Congress will act because they're going to realize, oh, damn, this is going to happen. We bet we'd rather set the rules. And I'm sure they're going to want to grandfather themselves in. But at least we get something done. And I think sometimes getting something done isn't always what everybody wants. They want a perfect solution. But getting something done, restoring power, sending a message to D.C. saying we don't like what you're doing down there. You're mortgaging. Forget our grandchildren. The next five generations of Americans. Uh, futures have been mortgaged with the kind of spending they're doing down there. They're not getting things done that Americans want, and we have to send them a message, and this will send them that message. All right, so let's talk about the pro- the, the structure here for a minute. I'm all for term limits, but I wouldn't let Congress set the rules, and I'll tell you why. I believe you should not be able to go from one body to the other body without a gap. I want a gap provision in there. I want a gap provision to going into certain, I would say, uh, agency level positions. I, I, I would do not want to take away the constitutional power of the executive to form a cabinet. Uh, there are certain you know, rights given there under the Constitution, but a gap to go from House to Senate. If, in my view, you do two terms in the Senate, you do 12 terms in the in the House. Those are reasonable. It keeps the experience, but it removes the influence to some degree. But I don't want somebody leaving the House running for the Senate. And now we get 24 years of the same person. I, I agree. Personally, I agree with you. That's something that the convention would have to determine to see what the consensus is. But I agree with you. I think as you know, David, D.C. is not real life. The, the way you, you live in D.C. is not the way normal Americans live. You don't wake up every morning with a staff that tells you every minute of your day how it's going to be mapped out. You don't get entertained from 8 a.m. to midnight. You don't have an expense account that's almost unlimited. You don't have staff doing every single thing for you from driving you from point A to point B. That's not how Americans live. It's extremely important to have people in D.C. that represent what real Americans go through every single day and have a different perspective than just politics. This idea that uh, a trillion dollars is nothing, right? Well, when was the last time any of us wrote a check that remotely resembled anything like that? But in Washington, over the last two years, they've written five or six or seven or eight bills that are over a trillion dollars and not even thinking anything about it and not even reading the bills. Think about that for a second, David. If I sent you a contract for $10,000, you wouldn't read it, let alone a trillion dollars. And these guys don't read them. They're written by lobbyists. They're written by special interest groups. We have to have people there that have been in the real world, and that's not what we have today. And that's why we have the problems there. You know, for the record, I could write you a check for a trillion dollars. You're not going to be able to cash it, but, yeah, but we'll leave that aside. For yeah, I, I'm going to write a check right now to my favorite charity for a trillion. Good luck, good luck cashing that. But but point well taken on, on the irresponsibility, and frankly, it is beyond irresponsible. What we see between now and then, and I get this from a lot of people. Do you do you think we're making? progress or i don't know if substantial is the word maybe more consistent progress convention of states continues to to work they're they're growing in states state legislative support is there uh, how do you assess it i think we're getting it there i think people understand it uh, the american people are very very smart they understand there's something wrong in dc which is why you see these 
uh, huge disapproval ratings for most politicians in D.C. So they know. I think that the atmosphere is right. We have to have there's other things we can do, by the way, which is we should expect our elected officials to come to uh, events and take questions, not just give us stump speeches. We should expect them to be accountable. We should expect them to be out and about in their local communities a lot more than they are, not hide in Washington, D.C. So not vote for for politicians that constantly take outside huge PAC money and aren't actually uh, accountable to the voters. Stop voting for those people. I mean, those are some of the things that we can do uh, that we don't do, that we have to take responsibility ourselves, right? We can't just be grievance and say, hey, it's their fault. We have to understand our own personal responsibility. And I can tell you as a donor, somebody who donated a lot of money to Republican politicians over my life, I take responsibility saying I was a terrible donor because I didn't vet the candidates properly. What is your real voting record? Where do you stand on truly conservative issues? And as I look back, I donated a lot of money to people who didn't uphold the values that I had because I didn't do the research and diligence that I should have. Shame on me. And I think other uh, voters and Americans, we should take responsibility as well. There's another point that you just reminded me of and you know, writing checks, supporting the party. That's step one. There's a second step that rarely gets mentioned. Well, I certainly have been doing it for decades now, which is when they fail, you do something about them. Exactly. Don't just give. That politician, that elected official asks for your vote. Some live up to the hype. Some follow through. Some, whatever the mix is. But if they fail miserably, goes back to your point about the incumbency factor, then we forget to fire them. Exactly. Exactly. Well, we, for, we forget to remind them they work for us. That's the other problem, right? I, I analogize it to hiring somebody. We hire a politician, and then we expect them to do uh, their job without any accountability. There's no built-in accountability measures that we have to make certain that exist. Without that, we're, we're not doing our job. Yeah. And that's the thing. We need to do our jobs. Bernie Moreno, Ohio State Chair for U.S. Term Limits. Always a pleasure, Bernie. Thank you. Thank you, David. You can join me live on The David Webb Show Monday to Friday, 9 to noon east on Sirius XM Patriot 125.